to another edition of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. Today, we welcome the podcast's first repeat guest ever, the one, the only, the magnificent, the always pleasant, but really slightly sarcastic, Carolyn Leiden will chat it up with us about confirmation bias and the pros and cons of it in digital marketing. We will get into how can confirmation bias both help and hinder your digital marketing efforts. How far can you push the confirmation bias envelope in your marketing without becoming a total unethical jerk face? And how does confirmation bias impact our favorite search engine of all, Bing? Just kidding. We all know I mean Google. Ha ha ha. What a great joke. But before that, they're here. They're there. Google is spraying COVID-19 results around everywhere. We dive into what's happening, why it's happening, and what it might mean for you. I am your host, Morty Oberstein. I am joined by the diplomatic, the convivial, Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. How's it going, Sapir? All good, all good. How's your quarantine? (laughs) Same, you know, as usual. (laughs) How How many Netflix movies have you watched? Um... Not movies, but like TV shows. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we don't watch the movies anymore. So we just watch TV shows, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Exactly. I'm still trying what to finish you? Hunters. What? What is I'm Hunters? So- oh, it's not on Netflix. It's an Amazon Prime thing. Oh, okay. With uh, Robert, De- Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, about hunting down Nazis. It's very good. Oh, that sounds Very fun. good. Okay. Loving it. <laughs> Nothing like a good Nazi killing to brighten your day. <laughs> Right. Nothing says happy like killing Nazis. <laughs> like Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, I can't get it right. Al Pacino killing Nazis. Oh, man. This oh. corona thing sucks. You know what? I want to rant for a second about this. So okay. I listen to a lot of like sports shows while I'm working in the background. I don't really pay attention half the time. It's just like noise in the background. And, and they always start off now because of the whole corona thing. We feel we need to be on the air for you so that you are entertained and distracted from this horrible, horrible thing. Shut up. Okay, like you're doing this because you want to get, you want to keep your show um, updated, you want to make money, whatever it is, right? So just like, just be real. Like this whole corona thing sucks. Like stop trying to make like, we'll get through this together. No, it sucks. Okay, I don't know what together you're talking about because I'm sitting alone at home with my four children and my wife. So what this together that you're talking about? We're all sitting by ourselves. That's the whole freaking point. <laughs> like, just, just like come out and say, like, it all sucks. We're going to do a show for you. Just enjoy it because it, life sucks right now. Don't give me like a whole like, you know, like spiel like, you know, we're really there for you and we're here. And that's why we're, d- no, come on, be real. Because this thing you're sucks. Still gonna, you're still going to consume it. Of course I am. That's what I mean. I'm still going to listen to the show anyway. There's nothing else in the world going on right now other than coronavirus. Right. Just be like, this corona thing sucks. We're doing a show anyway. And here we go. Like, we're, we're going to do this show because we know how important <laughs> it is to have a distraction for your mental health. You want to take care of my mental health? Get rid of my four kids. <laughs> Until then, shut up and talk about your sports. And that's about it. Okay, I done? am increasingly becoming bitter every single day I'm locked in this house. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I am losing my mind. <laughs> and and, the, and the, the filter is coming off my mouth. And so, the, <laughs> dear Levy, our dear editor, there's going to be a lot of editing going on in this one. 
a lot of F-bombs coming your way that the audience will not hear. <laughs> right. Okay. I can't. I hate this corona thing. I can't handle it anymore. Stupid, stupid corona. You can do it, Morty. Come on. Can't. I can't. I can't. It can't go on. Go on without me. Do not forget. All right, right. Do not forget. We put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rain Granger blog. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. Of course, you can find it on iTunes where you can subscribe and should and should subscribe. And you can probably find it wherever good podcasts are found and even some bad ones. Anyway. Um, oh, oh, oh. Also, also. Life right now kind of sucks. And a lot of people have been hit hard economically by this stupid, stupid virus. So we, as in Rank Range, are offering people free dashboard reporting. One less thing you have to pay for. We will give you 10 free, 100% white label marketing dashboards. Think dash this, but even better, for three months. Uh, More time if this stupid, stupid Stupid virus refuses to die. Um, all we ask for you is to fill out a quick form, literally, so we can make sure you're not a spammer. And we will reach out to you about setting up access, no strings, no anything. We just really wanted to do something for the larger community so that you have one less um, economic burden on your head. Uh, we'll put right. the, the the link to the form under the resources section of the, of the um, blog post for the podcast on the Rank Ranger site so you can sign up. So there's that. Yay. That's one, go you know, yeah, go rank ranger. Awesome. One, one good thing among this horrible, horrible right. thing. Um, yeah, I'm really upset by the way. I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest because it's hard for me to go on. This is a fun podcast and I will try to keep it fun. But, um, my, my, my neighbor, uh, my next door neighbor when I was growing up as a kid passed away from Corona, um, last Wednesday, which I don't know what day it is today. Today's the 29th. So that was like what the 25th, 26th, whatever it was. So I'm a little bit bummed out. Um, and I'm just going to give him a shout out because he was a really important person to me growing up. And this coronavirus thing sucks. Sorry to be a downer. Okay. Um, great show for you today. CEO, founder, lead SEO of Search Hermit, founding host of SEO Chat on Twitter, 1 p.m. Eastern Time every Thursday. I digress. But Carolyn Leiden chatted up with us about confirmation bias. We will get to that. But first... Corona here, Corona there. This MFR is everywhere. I didn't drop the bomb. I'm, I'm holding it back. Um, That's very yes. As it looks like all sorts of inapplicable SERPs have caught the virus. Let's go down another SEO wormhole. Okay, so I was just minding my own business, doing some research on science ranking within the health vertical as... I update, or as I up, rather, my core update game to all new levels with deeper, far more granular insights for my presentation in Ungagged in New York City this July, assuming the stupid coronavirus, stupid, stupid coronavirus goes away. Too much of a plug for, for Ungagged? Way too much. Way too much. Keep it classy, Morty. Stay classy, San Diego. Stay classy, San Diego. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, you no, don't. don't. Anchorman. Holy crap. Okay. We're going to move on. Well, anyway, I was running a ton of long tail um, health queries for the data-driven insights that I will unveil at Ungagged New York City in July, assuming, assuming the coronavirus dies. Wow. 
Why do I even bother? Um, because we pay you to do this. That's why. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's why you do it. And for the love of the podcast. And for the love right. of the podcast. Right. And because you're That's stuck right. at home doing nothing, this is better than hanging out with your family, I'm assuming. <laughs> right? Well. So is how much you love your family. Anyway, you don't like your family. You're a horrible, horrible person. Too bad you're stuck with them for the next, I don't know, two months. Anyway, right. So I'm running all of these queries. And I noticed um, a whole heap of them started showing results for COVID-19. But the intent of the query had nothing to do with this stupid, stupid virus. So, like, for example, one of the queries was, um, I'm, I'm a pregnant woman. Am I more likely to catch a cold? The intent there is pretty st- straightforward. Like, it's a cold, not a COVID. Wouldn't right. a user put in, uh, am I more likely to catch COVID-19? Yes, you would assume that, right? They'd be very specific about, like, catching a cold is, like, not the same thing as catching COVID-19, which is right. sort of the, exactly the problem here, right? And so in this particular case, by the way, three of the top four results were COVID-19 related. It's like, I was like, wait, you have one. But three of the top four were COVID-19 related. Um, and one of those COVID results had nothing to do with pregnancy. It was about parenting and COVID-19. So not very accurate. And it prevents the real results from showing up. And that's a very good point. By the way, like, I was running tons of these health queries. I was, like, dying. Cause, like, I hope my wife didn't check my search history. <laughs> because not only will she think that I'm pregnant, but that I have tons of STDs. Oh. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, that's... That's what happens when you're doing research. Like I was doing, I was running health queries on anything from Parkinson's to Alzheimer's to, to syphilis and gonorrhea. So hopefully she didn't look down my uh, my search history, which is weird altogether. Like if the government's watching me and basing me off my search history, like this guy's nuts. Anyway, anyway, okay, you're right. Okay, having COVID nineteen results in this particular case preventing is preventing real results or results related to catching a cold if you're pregnant if that's what you want to you know if that's what you're really worried about right now which probably not and let's just, you know and we're going to go based on the query that's what you're worried about because you search for it yeah it, it, it eats up the, that important space for the real results you're absolutely right and that's all the more important because this is the freaking health vertical so you want to get it right thank you captain obvious you are welcome anyway yeah. so i noticed a bit of a pattern here If someone says thank you to you, you always say you're welcome, even if they're being sarcastic. There was a pattern here. So let's go down the rabbit hole a bit, yeah? What? Wait a minute. This is a wormhole segment, not a rabbit hole segment. Doesn't even know he's on them show. Wormhole. Let's go down the wormhole. Such a stickler. Podcast police. Anyway. um, Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. It's a hole. Doesn't matter. Um, wormhole, rabbit hole, I'm not going to say it. Anyway, I ran a query for, does having a pure immune system with diabetes mean I will get sick quicker? So again, the query was, does having a pure, a pure, a poor, does having a poor immune system with diabetes mean I will get sick quicker? And sure enough, tons of COVID-19 results. But this kind of makes sense. And it does. Okay? That's not really my point here. I actually, let me explain. I already know there's a problem here, right? It's showing up for all these, um, COVID-19 results are showing up for all these queries that don't really relate to COVID-19. Okay? So you're right. This one, it does. Okay? But this one in particular, it does make sense, right? But this one in particular spoke to me. Oh? And why is that, Morty? Um, 
because it said something nice to me. It said something profound to me. It said something deep to me. What did it say? What did it say? It said, go the distance. Ease his pain. Let me guess. Another reference to a movie no one's ever heard of? No one's ever heard of Field of Dreams? Go the distance. Field of Dreams, only in America, is what makes America great, is that you can have a movie about playing... The, the, the whole whole premise of the movie is about playing catch with your father. And it, it, it is the most moving, deep, emotional thing ever because playing catch with your father is so nostalgic. It sounds boring. It's, it's the best baseball movie ever. Baseball, of course! Kevin, Co- Kevin Costner's in it. He used to be hot, no? Oh, I like Kevin Costner. So everyone loves okay. Kevin Costner now. <laughs> they did not for a while. I don't understand. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. that's a thing. He didn't, I don't know why. His career was over, now it's back. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Great movie. Anyway, it's the, the query did not say go the distance, ease his pain. Um, what it said to me was that there's a connection between poor, poor immunity and COVID-19, which makes sense, okay? Mm. The, what I wanted to see was, though, if I put pure immunity, pure, I can't get it out, not pure, poor, <laughs> poor immunity into an absurd query. Would COVID-19 results still show up? Now, let's break this down. Okay, we know, or I know at this point, Google is showing COVID-19 results for queries that really don't don't really hit on COVID-19. We also know that when it comes to things like immunity, Google is thinking, okay, that intent has to do with COVID-19, and that does make sense. So let's sort of combine the two. Let's let's sort of uh, um, combine poor immunity with with something that doesn't relate at all to COVID nineteen, still see if we get what we get back. Okay, make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here comes the meat. Here comes the deliciousness of all of this. I ran a search for is walking into the backyard with autoimmune deficiency dangerous. What is wrong with you? How does that even enter your brain? I don't know. I'm special. I'm special. Yeah. But more yeah, importantly, sure. no COVID-19 results showed up. None. What do you got to say about that? Just, just get to the point. <laughs> it's, all the, it's all about the buildup and the progression of events and layers of understanding. Okay. Let's just say, what if I changed one word in that query and I did get COVID-19 results? What would that mean? It would mean there might be a relationship between that word or topic and as you call it stupid stupid corona right okay okay you got it okay so what i did was i searched for is traveling not from i went from walking to traveling is traveling to the backyard with autoimmune deficiency or disease rather dangerous absurd totally insane query you get it okay the first result here was for COVID-19. You get what I'm doing here? Uh, I get you. Okay. That's good. So you finally that's get me. Actually a, that's actually pretty brilliant. So. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. So say, I'm sorry. I'm not sure the audience heard you say that. Could you say that again? <laughs> Anyways, what you're saying is same ridiculous query, but throw traveling, which is a Corona hot topic, and you get COVID-19 results. Bingo. Okay. okay. You're, yeah. you're, the query makes no sense. Okay, but you, you're bringing up COVID-19 with the audio, autoimmune reference and with travel. Okay, so what's going on here? And again, I think it is a tad brilliant, like you said. <laughs> it's on record now. 
It'll be in the blog post. It'll be in writing. No. And we're going to use this forever. You said it. It's too late. You can't go back. I no backsies. That's blacksies. Okay. It's done. <laughs> What's going on here is, okay, autoimmune. Okay, the concept of auto, auto, autoimmune problems <laughs> creates a COVID-19 context. Okay, as we saw, the, does, you know, with the query, does having a pure, pure – I can't – oh, my God. It's like a Freudian thing. I can't get it out. What is wrong with me? I need some fresh air. I need some fresh air. <laughs> Deep breaths. Speak more like slowly. I can't handle anymore. Good, I'm telling you. you. I, I am. I am. There's nothing to do with anything. I am one spill or broken dish away from a mental institution. Anyway. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the query was, okay, does having a poor immune system with diabetes mean I will get sick quicker okay the autoimmune reference creates a COVID-19 context okay but you still need something to trigger it at certain points okay um right because we did walking into the backyard and I still referenced the autoimmune problems I didn't get COVID-19 okay walking took it out of the COVID-19 context so we need a bit of a trigger here to go COVID-19 travel was that trigger so bring it home Morty what the is going on here? Okay, with tons of content being generated and with tons of searches related to COVID-19, Google's machine learning is quickly creating conceptual connections. It knows that COVID-19 is a highly, we'll call it relatable topic, as in related to many different things. And now it, Google's machine learning yearns to create conceptual connections to COVID-19. So in our case, it's a pretty simple equation. Travel plus autoimmune equals COVID-19 relevance, no matter how absurd the query is. Okay, traveling to my backyard with an autoimmune disease brings up COVID results. What the heck does that even mean? Who's traveling to their backyard? Okay, take travel out as we did when we did walking into the backyard with autoimmune deficiency or disease. Okay, and COVID is out of relevancy. Trigger topic that relates to COVID-19, doesn't matter how absurd it is, it's going to bring up COVID-19 results, which just goes to show you how quick Google's machine learning assimilates things. Still some work to do, though. Yes, okay. So obviously it's showing results for like you're traveling to my backyard with autoimmune deficiency disease. That's crazy. But you can't, like, don't, I wouldn't be critical of Google at this point because it's, in the, it's, in, it's a new concept. It's a new, it's a new thing that Google's trying to connect to. Okay? It's, think about it. It's, this is in its initial stage. The equation between these concepts will only get more complex and more refined as time goes on. But as you did mention, Sapir, it does mean that for now, users may not be getting the content they want for certain health queries. And it also means mm-hmm. there's less space on the SERP for the right content for these queries. So if you rank for such queries, if you're like writing a whole blog about getting colds when you're pregnant and now you don't rank anymore, it could be you didn't do anything wrong. You just got pushed off because Google's throwing COVID-19 results on that don't really relate. I would imagine that would sort of die down once Google's machine learning refines and recalibrates. Okay. Now, seeing this, and I almost hesitate to say this, seeing this can be a clue of what content you should be creating. Or how to think of content creation and ranking such content when it relates to Corona. Because you will not rank for tackling Corona head on. If you're a, a medical website and you're running about Corona and you're talking about I know, top level queries like how long will Corona last or how do you catch Corona, you are not going to rank. The, the, the NHS will rank. 
the equivalent of that in the UK will rank. Um, Harvard will rank. Johns Hopkins will rank. Uh, the World Health Organization will rank. But you will not rank. But if you have real and valuable information, a real and valuable take on, on a particular aspect of corona, and if you are qualified to write about corona, if you are a qualified health professional slash content creator, seeing these sort of patterns of Google relating Corona nineteen COVID-19 to certain subtopics like autoimmune or traveling or the combination of them both, if you, again, are a qualified health professional, seeing these patterns could help you create content that ranks well for these long-tail queries related to COVID-19. If you take what I'm saying and you go write about whatever crap about Corona just so you can rank, I will hunt you down like the dog you are. You know, I, I never understood that phrase other than the fact that it's brutal, you know, to hunt. Right. Why dog though? I have no Why idea. Not ducks or something. I don't know. Who we think? I have, I have no idea. It's a horrible phrase. It's like beating a dead horse. Yes. That's disgusting. Why would you want to beat a dead horse? Right. Right. I, and it makes no okay. sense. It's just a thing we say. Yeah. But seriously, okay, these patterns are interesting. They are cool. Yeah. But if you do what I'm, te- what I'm, if you take what I'm saying and you just like write crap about Corona so you can rank, you suck. Right. Okay. Anyway, onwards, onwards. Onwards. I had the privilege to chat with literally one of my favorite SEO um, people out there. She's my partner in crime on the SEO chat, Twitter, 1 p.m., Thursdays, Easter Standard Time. Be there or I will hunt you down like a dog you are. Um, (laughs) I can't. Stupid, stupid corona. As I was saying, (laughs) I had the privilege of chatting with my favorite SEOs out there. Actually drove home from the doctor. Uh, This was pre-stupid, stupid corona. So here is my in-car chat. Well, I wasn't in a car, but she was in a car with Carolyn Leiden on confirmation bias. Cut one. Welcome to a very special In Search SEO podcast interview session. Today we are concluding our Women in Search interview series with one of my favorite people in SEO. You may know her as one of Search Engine Journal's top 140 SEOs to follow. You might know her as an SEO author. You might know her as the host and admin of SEO Chat, which happens every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And you might even know her as an avid Falcons fan. But she is the president and lead SEO of Search Hermit. She is Carolyn Lighted, welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me, and thanks for counting my fandom. <laughs> <laughs> and any any time, Maddie Ice, Maddie Ice. Yeah, yeah. Julio. How, how are your How are your feelings about Mr. Ryan? About Matt Ryan, I have a lot of feelings about him. I feel like uh, one, I he doesn't get the credit he deserves. A lot of people hate on him because he doesn't necessarily have uh, a lot of the. I feel like the O line that a lot of other teams have. We're working on that, I assume. But also, uh, in the the world of football, he's kind of getting old. <laughs> yeah. He's... And then I see, we were talking earlier before we started recording about, um, I recently moved to the the D.C. area, and I was trying to see if I should trade teams. And I was talking about maybe looking into the the Ravens. Uh, <sighs> but I really like, like Lamar Jackson. I'm like, look at this young guy. He's running it. He's doing all these cool things. And I feel like when you're young and new to the league, you can do all that kind of stuff like Cam Newton did when he first started. But then uh, once you once you get injured and start getting past a certain age, you don't do that stuff anymore. So I feel like Maddie's past that. And uh, it would be cool if we had someone who was like not afraid to run it and take a hit. But 
when you're old and your joints, I mean, I know I'm 31 now and my joints can't take it. I can't imagine. I'm so old. Yeah. Those, those guys get hard too. So I like him. I have mixed feelings for most Falcons fans. Oh, I I lost you at, I'm considering becoming a Ravens fan because I like Lamar Jackson. Because I hate well, the I'm Ravens. also considering becoming a Ravens fan mostly because I don't think I'll be able because I recently moved to Virginia. I don't know that I'll be able to actually watch the Falcons unless, like you were saying, I find some like convoluted way or pay extreme amount right to to stream their games. You could just watch golf instead. I'm just saying. That sounds. I would rather just take a nap if I'm going <laughs> to spend my time. I never understood, and I'm sorry to any golf fans out there who sits around and watches golf. I I guess maybe it's the strategy, and I I don't know because I've never watched it. You're to be you're literally watching a sport where they tell you to be quiet, like it's yeah, a library. I, can't that. I hate that. I just want to be like the one guy who yells out something because the guy swings or the girl swings. Um, LPGA. Um, just to distract them. I know it's a horrible thing, but at least it makes for good television. I just like, uh, um, like being like an armchair quarterback, like screaming the things that I know that I couldn't do, but then I'm like, you should know how to do this. Oh, like, swing harder. Like, what do you, what do you say? Swing straighter. Yeah. Not that I know. Yeah. I know nothing about golf. It is not my thing. It's too pretentious for me. Not me either. That's why I just like loud sports where you can yell and get physical. Also, I don't like in golf that you can't like hit anyone <laughs> right that's a, it's not a sport unless you get cte except for baseball yeah, exactly baseball counts i mean you can you can get yeah i think you can get physical in baseball so you could you could also right i mean there's, there's you know you can crash into home plate there's like stuff going on there yeah it's yeah not, it's not cte level but it's still there unlike golf and tennis also don't get me started on tennis but people like tennis anyway we should probably talk about Let's marketing and SEO. no no you go ahead talk about I'll tennis I was just going to say, let's all decide never to watch golf. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. I think they just put it on there to screw with us. Like, it's there to think, like, oh, golf is a real sport. People watch this. And, like, literally no one's watching it. Except for, like, people in nursing homes. And that's only because they can't well, change like a channel. People turn it on and then go do other things while it's on the background. Right. It's, like, basically like college. It's like, it's like college basketball when it's not March Madness. It's on, well, but you don't really uh, care. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look, Tulane is playing Bowling Green State. What? Who? Okay. Oh. <laughs> we, we can talk about this forever. Sorry. But I know I literally could. Like college sports, like we can go on a whole thing about college sports, which my kids find hilarious. Well, not hilarious, confusing rather. Like, I don't understand. It's Michigan versus Michigan? Yeah. It's Michigan oh. State versus the University of Michigan. What's the university? And what state? Very confusing. It's much easier with the name of the team or the Thrashers versus the Chargers. There's no Thrashers. Well, there is Thrashers. Atlanta Hockey. Thrashers. Yeah, we'll yeah. go full circle here. We'll just go round and round about sports. Anyway. Apparently. That's oh. a podcast for another day. Right. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about confirmation bias. That's why, we all, that's why we're all here. Um, and hopefully our listeners yeah. are still here. So for the people who don't know what that is, the uninitiated, so to speak, what in the world is confirmation bias? Yeah, so I like to, I'm obviously not like a psychology expert, but it sort of, it originates in that, in like psychology. And it's essentially like when our, our brains like to make things really easy on us. And so they sort of create these shortcuts that help us jump from one conclusion to another without having to do all the extra work that we sort of like, we essentially build these bridges in our brains that say, okay, we're getting from point A to point B. 
Um, so we don't have to do the work of building the bridge every single time. And confirmation bias is sort of part of that, where we see something um, that sort of that we assume is true, and we sort of jump and make a conclusion that that's what it is, um, because all of the evidence that's presented to us, we interpret it in a way that sort of confirms that conclusion. So I like to tell people, for example, if if I assume like all um, people who are left-handed are very artsy or, you know, they, they're right-brained or something like that. Um, all the evidence when I see someone who's left-handed uh, that indicates those, those markers for me, I'll use that information to confirm what I think about left-handed people. And anything that goes against that, I sort of just shrug off like, oh, it's a, that's an anomaly. It's a one-time thing. It's only for this person because it doesn't confirm what I already sort of think. And so that's, that's the general premise of how I understand and sort of interpret confirmation bias, especially when it comes to looking at our, our marketing. So it's like the Homer Simpson of psychological mechanisms? <laughs> sure, sure. Right. Okay. I mean, I don't know that I would, um, I don't know a lot about the Simpsons, to be honest. So, but <laughs> no, short, shortcut, so you don't have to think, so it's really easy for you, so you don't have to think, so you can just you know, keep going with your dumb way of looking at life. Yeah, that's what I was essentially saying. Right. Thinking is like we assume that Homer, uh, or at least I assume that Homer just sort of like X plus Y equals Z, uh, and then we use that formula for everything in our lives. Right. So that pretty much sums it up then. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Perfect. I hope so. If you disagree, <laughs> feel free to. If anyone disagrees, feel free to tweet at me. I. <laughs> Okay, so let me let's just you know let's keep with the psychology aspect for one second. We'll get to the marketing and the SEO side of it in a moment. Sure. Um, what do you think brings up? Why do we have confirmation bias? Is it just because it's quicker, it's easier? Is it that we have sort of um, preconceived a priori notions that we walk in with in life in general, and this is the way it works, or is it a way like we have a whole scheme of how we you know an outlook of how we view the world, and we sort of like to fit things into that box because it's simpler and already aligns to what we already how we already look at the world in general. Just where does it come from? What part of the mind is this thing? Yeah, so I think it's really evolutionary. It's sort of like, um, and then, you know, when we look at, like, things like stereotypes, we know that, like, obviously we're a woke culture now, and we realize that not all stereotypes are true, but I do think that it sort of ties into the same thing as confirmation bias, where we, our brains are like, hey, uh, this is the easy way to get through life, where I don't have to do all these computations along the way to sort of assess what's going on. Um, sort of like I was saying with the, the artists or all artists being left-handed or all left-handed people being artistic or something like that. So I think it's sort of evolutionary to, to make it easy for us to not have to compute everything, every single situation that we're in. And we sort of, I, I hate to say jump to conclusions because it has a negative connotation, but sort of easily make the connection so that we don't necessarily have to stop and, or like our brain, obviously we we don't do it consciously, but our brain doesn't have to do all the computations to get from point A to point B when we're thinking about like regular things in everyday life. I really think I, I don't have all the research on it. Um, I can do some research and send you some links for the show notes afterwards. Awesome. But uh, I do think it's sort of like evolutionary. We've gotten to this point uh, because it's made it easier for us to sort of live. And then I also think sort of to that note, when we do have like, back in the day when we were cavemen 
I'm assuming like <laughs> there were certain signals to us like oh this is dangerous like I don't know there's a saber-toothed tiger on the horizon like that is bad news bears for me I need to run away or go hide or something like that and so instead of having to be like hmm, well he's this far away and I can calculate this uh, running distance and how fast they can run like we were just like no get out of there man so I think it sort of has evolved from that to modern day but sort of to touch on that I do think that the modern our modern technology and the way that we're using it has sort of shifted the way compromise confirmation bias uh sort of like works for us and sometimes against us because we evolved slowly over time and I do think that technology has evolved way more rapidly. And so maybe the ways that marketers and people in technology have sort of used confirmation bias, both for good and bad, um, hasn't necessarily, like our brains weren't built for that initially. So we're having to sort of be conscious about it in our everyday interactions, especially online, I think. Can you elaborate on that, how that played itself out? Because you're right, like things are advancing so rapidly that is, it, I see it so many of it, you see it on social media, you see it everywhere. It's hard to really keep up with what exactly is happening around you. You don't really realize what's happening around you until it's too late. But I wonder if you could sort of speak to that yeah. in more in greater detail. Yeah, for sure. So I sort of to touch on like the evolutionary side of it. Like if you think about, I was looking at something that was like the amount of time from dinosaurs to now is um, like shorter than you actually think it is. And like the overall scope of um, human evolution and like how long we've been on this planet and things like that. And so if you think about it in that way, like the time from even the time frame from the start of social media to now is minuscule and the amount of time that it's taken our brains to evolve from being cavemen um, to now versus now to the sort of like social media and marketing uh, advertisements everywhere, uh, sneaky advertisements and like sponsored content and stuff like that. Um, we, our brains probably are not evolving as rapidly um, to like catch on to those things, which I think is why so many people, especially, I don't want to say, like certain people just haven't figured out how social media works and how social media has taken advantage, for example, of their particular viewpoints or hijacks the way they see certain uh, perspectives or certain people. And, and, and especially in marketing, I think we just how quickly I, I think about, I don't remember what the name of the movie is, but there's this movie that I remember watching where essentially we had gotten to a point in technology where advertisements were literally everywhere. And it was just a way of life that everyone had accepted. Like every window had, advertisements on it every building was covered in advertisements and and we had gotten to a point where we just sort of ignored it and it was hard to break through uh, as marketers and advertisers and so it's like the brains of the people in that movie had developed to a point where they just completely ignored it and marketers were trying to find new ways new and different ways to sort of break through that or figure out how to how to make those messages resonate with people and I think we're at a weird point where our brains are just now sort of figuring out like, oh, these are the ways that marketing has sort of taken advantage of our confirmation bias or the ways that we look at particular things and just assume like they are X, Y, Z ways um, to sort of, you know, make us believe a certain thing or make us purchase things or um, make us feel like we belong in a certain group that needs to buy these products or services. 
etc. Do you think, though, that that's unique to, okay, I understand it might be accentuated by the fact that things are moving very rapidly through the use of technology, but I, I sort of feel like that's marketing in general. Like marketing is the ability, not at the micro level, but at least at the macro level to say, okay, I am able to read civilization and society and I'm able to capitalize on their disposition. Right. Like if you look back to an ad from like the 1950s or the 60s or the 70s or even the 80s or the 90s, you'll look like what people actually like fell for that is so obvious. But in the moment, right, yeah. like the markers like one step ahead on the psychological evolutionary level, whatever you want to call it. Is it really different now or just more now or is it qualitatively different than it was, let's say, in the 50s, 60s or whatever? Yeah, I think that's a super great point that uh, when you do look, I remember doing a project. Um, when I was getting my MBA in my advertising class about the first sort of advertisements as they came about. And it was things like doctors recommending smoking and stuff like that, that now we'd be like, that is uh, insane. (laughs) Why would your doctor recommend that? Um, (laughs) Wait, wait, like, that's just like dumb. Like you're, you're putting smoke into your lungs. Like at what point do people say that's good? Like, why would that be good? Would you put your mouth on the exhaust pipe of a car? Well, back in the day, it seemed logical, I guess, because they were like, oh, here, uh, you know, people do this, like, with confirmation bias. When you do the study and you're like, oh, here are the one or two benefits that come from smoking um, versus the 100 million, you know, drawbacks of smoking. And they advertise those to doctors, and the doctors were like, "Oh yeah, all pregnant women should be smoking. This, is, this seems <laughs> and logical." Drinking alcohol and shooting crack. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> no, please don't. Uh, no, right. don't we're not endorsing that. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you're right. I think advertisements and marketing have, sort of, have always sort of been on the cusp of like trends and where people are going, and I, and then I do think the way that marketing and advertising has evolved, has sort of shaped the way, the direction that people go. And I, I'm thinking of things like Gwyneth Paltrow, um, her like goop brand or whatever. It's targeting these specifically like rich white women who want to be like Gwyneth Paltrow. And so they're sort of like building this lifestyle that people happily will walk into. Like, oh, I want to be the kind of person who spends $100 on a tiny candle. I mean, I want to be the kind of person who spends... on a serving platter because those are important to me and represent my values and who I want to be as a human. And I think that's sort of how one way in modern marketing sort of like created that environment where we're ahead of what people think they want and we're helping like sort of create that venue or a pathway for them to go down um, and then confirm their existing biases. So basically we have the vision of a Galileo and the ethical compass of Bernie Madoff. Uh, perhaps, yeah. Right, okay. I, I that's, that, that. that's what a marketer is. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that. I do think there are some <laughs> people who have, like, moral compass when they're creating marketing. And, and I also think that as a marketer, you have to look at your own confirmation bias and how it affects the way you perform your job as a marketer because there are some things that we think, like, oh, this is a good choice, or I'm not going to be harming anyone, or I'm helping people, when really, if you actually look at the data or how it's affected a certain amount of people, you'll see that you're not making that positive decision, like the smoking thing. Like, maybe they really did think that it was wise to recommend smoking um, 
from your doctor, but once they actually looked at the data and saw the information and the health um, drawbacks that were coming from it, they were like, oh, crap, let's not recommend that anymore. <laughs> To go back to a very old example. So wait, I, I, okay. I want. I definitely want to talk about the moral um, Im- implications of all of this. But something you said before sort of struck me that it's the you know confirmation bias is sort of the the evolution of the mind, so to speak. And the way I sort of think about these things is that whether it's you know evolution or you want to say it's whatever, however you want to slice confirmation bias and where it comes from, it's a natural way of of being and thinking. And from my standpoint, you might think that I'm wrong, but when something is natural, there usually is a benefit to it, a positive to it. Just This is the way um, humankind was sort of supposed to be, if you want to put it in those sort of terms. Um, but at the same time, the second you mention bias, you immediately think, like, bad, this is not good. But if it is a natural sort of thing, it is a natural evolution of, of, of humankind, then it, it's there for a reason and there must be a certain benefit to it, No. I don't mean to say, yeah, I, I mean like, that. yeah, like a benefit you can use that you should, that you can capitalize on, work towards and, and say that, yeah, confirmation bias is good sometimes. Yeah, I definitely think that. And sort of like the example I was talking about before, like the, the connections that we make and the conclusions that we draw from certain situations and then use again in future situations can be super helpful. Like the older example of, you know, if you see a dangerous animal on the horizon, you should not approach that animal or you should not you know, scream at it and yell at it, uh, <laughs> running toward it. You should run away. So, like, I definitely think that there are positives to it. And we didn't sort of, like, evolve this way or our brains didn't create this um, bridge for us because, you know, they want to trick us and they want us all to die and have horrible lives. It's because it's, it's worked well. And if you believe in the overall concept of evolution, like the people who are who were living their lives this way and using their confirmation bias to survive are the people who did survive. And so that's sort of why we, it is a positive thing that we have today. And I, that's why I bring up the technology aspect of it, because I do think that there are elements of it that have, that are positive and that are helping us as humans live our lives every day. But there are definitely parts, both on the um, elements both on the part of consumers and, and marketers that we sort of have to be aware of to make sure that we're not um, overstepping or making sure we're not having a negative impact on ourselves or the people that we're working with or working for. Well, let me, let me play devil, devil's advocate then for a second. Okay. Yeah. This is not my position, like for the record, but let me just put it out there. I'm a marketer. I am aware of your biases and I'm going to confirm them. But I'm just giving you what you want. It's not my problem. I'm not doing anything wrong. I think a lot of marketers are like that. Like there, there comes a point where I think it's, there's not always, it's not always worth the effort to like tangle with yourself internally, even just as a marketer, when you're like, um, you know, (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow's marketing team to go back to our example, I'm sure that they're like rich white ladies want this stuff and they'll easily buy into it. And, we're just giving them what they want. Like they want to feel like a part of this community. I, speaking of community, I think a lot of like gyms, for example, um, you know, as long as you're moving your body in a way that feels good to you, that's a good amount of exercise or a good exercise for you. But like certain gyms build this concept of like, you will be this person that you want to be. Uh, you'll help, you know, you'll achieve these results and people want to be a part of that. And so it's not that the gyms are like, terrible people that are uh, using people for their money uh, it's like they're trying to have a mutually beneficial relationship and just because it doesn't work for one person doesn't mean it 
um, bad or, you know, amoral or right. immoral. I mean, but uh, it's just like being aware of how we're using it uh, that has potential negative effects and then sort of weighing the cost benefit analysis. I'm trying to think of like a brand that thought that they were like doing some really great things, but uh, it didn't turn out super awesome for them. I can't think of one. Off I'm, trying, the I'm just going to ask you that. Like what's a real case where, you know, um, confirmation bias was used in a, in a positive way for good and for an, a bad. So the one I, that the one I think I bring up or think of the most is, um, so we were talking a little bit about like the 2016 election. And I think that was one example of one group of people, uh, regardless of how they got the information, which was definitely immoral in my opinion. Um, they used information, these, uh, like demographic information, opinion information, people's belief information, um, and then sort of created these ads that were really targeted toward individual groups uh, that really sort of solidified people's confirmation bias about themselves. Like, this is who I am as a person. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. And anyone who doesn't feel the same way is in a group of other. And I think that was one example of mm. how confirmation bias was used by marketers in a very negative way to sort of like divide America. So I take it back. Sort of a very, if you take Galileo but I, and you combine it with Bernie Madoff, <laughs> you get a politician, not a marketer. <laughs> well, they were, they use marketing. I, I, based on articles I've read and um, a couple of documentaries I've seen, I do feel like the political campaigns obviously use marketers and they use data analysts that look at that marketing data. And based on the initial way that they were using data, I don't think that they really knew that that's what they were doing. They were right. sort of experimenting. Right. They were trying new things and they had the money to do it. So they were like, let's just see what happens. And when they started seeing these like very solidified groups going in different directions, that was probably the point where they were like, they should have been like, is this how we want this to go? Um, and I think they chose yes. So that's sort of where the yeah, well, they, the moral they, conundrum right. <laughs> comes in from for me personally. But I do think that you know they were initially using that their own confirmation bias and then working to sort of solidify other people's confirmation biases as well. And it didn't. I don't necessarily know that it had a negative intention at the very beginning. Um, that that's sort of probably where it evolved eventually. Because so we can go down the political war home for forever and the biases and how that all played itself out because that, that is an amazing, that would be an amazing conversation for a totally different podcast. Um, I don't know if we can do it for this podcast. For sure. But um, let's jump to Google because we're an SEO podcast. Um, sure. <laughs> we're to, we're to pivot away from the controversial topic and go to Google, which is totally not controversial at all. <laughs> Google has been accused of advancing confirmation bias, Google calls it the um, the personalization bubble. No, wait. Um, I always get the right filter bubble. I always do that. I always screw that up. The filter bubble, um, where basically Google will give you what you want to see instead of opposed to giving you a more diverse set of results to help you have a wider truth, for lack of a better way of saying that. Um, is that really a problem with Google, or is that really sort of a one-off? We're hyperventilating about something that's you know an aberration. I honestly think it's almost a mirror of the, the things that are happening in other industries or other um, mediums, sort of like what's happening, what we were mentioning on the political side. Is I, I think about this. I know this probably will anger some people. Feel free to cut this out. 
But I think about when um, Donald Trump was ranting on Twitter about the things that were showing up in his Google News feed, and everyone was like, "What? What you're served is really based on what you're clicking through to, and like articles." Um, for specific news organizations that you're already reading. So like Google is serving you what it thinks you want based on your previous activity, especially if you're logged in. So like Google is not biased toward liberal news. It's just that you're clicking through that. And I think that uh, a lot of people who I'm actually really interested in like not normal people, but like non SEO people who use search Marie Haynes, I've mentioned this to a couple of people, but Marie Haynes recently did just like an informal survey with non-SEOs. Mm-hmm. And and I was really blown away that like people don't completely understand how Google search works and they don't understand the results that they're given. They think that certain things are ads that aren't ads and that when they click an ad, they don't actually know it's an ad sort of thing. So I'm thinking that, and then of course the anecdotal evidence with the president and then just people like talking with people um, and then even talking with my own clients, like in general, a lot of people don't understand that personalization aspect, especially of search that Google thinks is providing you with a really great user experience by showing you what it's estimating that you want to see based on your previous search history, the places you visit, things like that. And so it thinks that it's providing you with a great search experience, but there's also potential for you to sort of exist in your own bubble or your own world to never see that you know there are other potential search results and i honestly i've experienced it myself too like when i look look for certain things in the news and i scroll down the google news uh results and i see it from a publication that i don't personally uh ever read or i would never i wouldn't consider it a a you know reputable publication i'm like why is this in my search result and i'm like oh maybe google is actually trying to help me see more than one point of view here and like why am i offended by seeing that um so google i i think they're trying to serve the users as best they can but sometimes maybe as users we should be not given exactly what we want all the time no that's that's exactly the point i mean for i'll speak to the political side of this for like a really quick second so i have family on both sides of the political spectrum uh, I'm sort of sideways. Yeah. I don't really fit into any spectrum. I don't even live in the United States anymore, so it's not my problem, right? <laughs> um, you don't live here right now. Yeah, so this is your problem, America. Anyway, I'll have our family members complain from both sides of the political aisle. Oh, I, 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 you know, why do I only get these sort of results? Well, yeah, well, Google's biased. Like, no, no, it's, it's not how it works. Like, you, you, it's amazing to me how people have an opinion about a complex algorithm that I hardly understand, and I spend all of my trying time to understand the stupid thing. And you spend three minutes thinking yeah. about it, and like, oh yeah, it's biased. And it's, you, mm-hmm. and it's it's both sides of everybody and everybody. Everyone's all worked up about this, and it, I. I this is where I think the problem is. It's Google. Um, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, when you are dealing with information and knowledge, let's call it knowledge, right? Let's take it out of, let's put it into philosophical terms. When you're dealing with the dissemination of knowledge, you have a moral, ethical obligation to ensure that truth is put out there. Now, to whatever extent you can yeah. or can't know the truth, okay, so you don't know, you'll have to give various options and let the user decide what the truth is. But the overuse of personalization, I think, is a very big um, moral um, shortcoming because when you're dealing with knowledge, you have to go beyond your bottom line to a certain extent. And I don't think Google 
I know they're trying. I think I think that I think they have sort of gotten that message, and I think they are trying. Yeah. I just don't know if I don't know how they're going to do this because everything that they that they're banking on. Everything they're trying to serve from machine learning, trying to serve user intent to ad targeting, whatever it is, is all about personalization. I don't know how they're going to go in that direction at the same time, offer you what you need to see versus what you want to see. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's definitely, uh, I don't want to say it's a conundrum, but it's like, it's a hard problem to solve, I think. It's a fine line. It's a very, they have to to walk a very fine line. And I've seen some people be like, oh, I'm going to use other, another search engine. Like, I'm going to move to DuckDuckGo because it doesn't, like, track their personal information. Yeah, well, good luck looking like for that, a local search. In, uh, local search. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza I mean, near me even, in Texas. I remember, right. Or Chicago pizza. Are you in Chicago <laughs> or do you want a Chicago-style pizza? Or, yeah. So, yeah. But I think Google also sort of has the monopoly on it. So they whatever they're testing and however they figure it out is sort of like the way it's going to be since they're sort of also just leading efforts on a lot of the new stuff in search. Yeah. Well, that sort of leads to my next question is how bad is this going to get? Oh man, I don't, I don't know for sure. I, it, it also makes me think of like, are we going to start having some sort of control over Google? I mean, I know that a lot of, People think that there should be there a monopoly. There should be like congressional control over it, etc. But also like how Google, I guess their mission back in the day was just to not be evil. Uh, and so like, how do they interpret that as a company now as things have sort of evolved? And so I don't know. I think it'll probably get worse before it gets better. To be honest, but I do think they're at least trying, like fact checking. Yeah, they're trying. Uh, they're definitely least- trying. And I think they're making better efforts than like Facebook. Yes, one hundred percent agree. That's a very good. That's a very good point. I I I am I'm optimistic about this actually, because I feel at a certain point, okay. no matter how Google advanced Google gets with machine learning, it's never going to be able to offer the personalization, the level of personalization that the user really wants. And it's gonna have to, I think. It's going to have to let the user have some more control over what they see and have more input, whether it be through the usage of, of, of filters or the uses of, of carousel cars to sort of change what you see. Like imagine, for example, like you do a search for um, buy car insurance. So Google shows you all these results where you can compare car insurance policies and learn about car insurance policies, but you don't really want that. You really want to buy car insurance policies. So Google could give you a right. filter to say, here, click for commerce sites, whatever. I'm just like making this up you know, off the top of my head, so to, so to speak. But I feel like we're going to hit a point where the level of personalization can't actually happen, and that will give the they'll have to give the user control, and then maybe through that the user's control will allow them to see a little bit more. You'll have more control of what you want to see and be able to explore more directly without Google feeding you. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's. I think that there is going to be have to level. There's going to have to be a level of like people's understanding of Google search to increase a little bit. Uh, based on the stuff we were talking about before, but that, yeah, that definitely has the potential to, or just to be like, you click a box that says, I want info versus I want to buy. Right. You know. So with, with all this, I have to ask you, and this is really where it becomes hard, at least where I'm sitting. Your Things are going to progress. Personal is going to get bigger. It's going to get better. Um, things are going to get more complex as you mentioned before technology is going to continue advancing at a, you know even a, a, you know more more rapid pace than before 
how in the world are you supposed to know and be aware of, okay, I, I am biased here or the, the user is biased a certain way and I have to be careful with that and you know, it's sort of sacred grant. How are you supposed to sort of figure this out and walk that fine line between offering targeted, personalized um, content or results, whatever it is, depending on who you are, versus making sure that you don't go too far with it? How, does it, how do you actually deal with that? I think that it's like a problem where... Besides going to a shrink. And sort of... <laughs> right, right. Well, it's a problem we're sort of like all facing together as marketers and then also as consumers. And I think one point that's really helpful is like the data that you can gather to sort of like identify the trends that are happening either in your your work as a marketer or what you're seeing as a marketer with the people that you're, you know, marketing towards your target audiences. And like one way I think about confirmation bias is when we run like A-B tests or we decide as marketers to um, test certain things or to try different things out, we come to those experiments with sort of like, oh, I think this one is going to be the winner or I I think this is what my target audience wants. And we sort of use that to potentially affect the, I don't want to say the study, it's not an official study, but we use that to affect the test or the experiment, either we don't, you know, put all the effort into the second version of an A-B test or we're like, there's no point in, you know, getting statistical significance. We'll just run it for a couple of days and see what happens. Um, and then because of that, we're sort of affecting how the data is presented and we don't necessarily get all the information. So I think being as neutral as possible, even though it's hard because we're all humans, obviously. But And then using all the data points sort of looking at it comprehensively and the wide range of data that's happening and being presented to you or that you're finding about what you're doing in your job as a marketer and sort of looking at it more objectively if you can find a way or even having a a third party, someone in a different department if you work at a large company or something like that, look at it and be like, what what conclusions are you drawing that may be different from what I'm drawing? And I've I've done that even, yeah, I've done that even... um, with like just internal data at companies that I've worked at and just been like, hey, here's what I'm seeing in this data. Are you seeing the same thing? And oftentimes people will be like, oh, well, you know, like the the range that you're seeing is really not that big. It's not that, not that big of a difference. You know, you had maybe 43% versus like 50 something percent of another group. So like maybe it's not as big as a discrepancy as you you feel it is. So just having another set of eyes look at the data and then trying to look at your data as objectively as possible to see like what's actually happening and do I want it to go a certain way and because of that am I trying to like affect things in a certain direction can just sort of help you see what's happening from like a more zoomed out perspective in your marketing to see if maybe my confirmation bias or what I assume about my target audience or what my target audience is telling me isn't necessarily what I think um is happening. So you're basically trying to look at the cold, no, I'm the sorry. cold hard numbers. Right. So you're basically recommending people not to gloss over their their uh, their shortcomings, inadequacies, um, and insecurities, and to actually face them. As a, as a cynic, I'm going to say good luck with that. Well, yeah, and I, <laughs> I understand that, and I think that that's where a lot of marketing departments maybe sort of like fall short. We when we interview people, we ask, like, what are your strengths and weakness is? And everybody's like, oh, my weakness is that weakness. I care too much. 
Oh, I like it when people are like, my weakness is that I care too much or I'm too detail oriented or I try too <laughs> right, hard. Right. But like, <laughs> being really <laughs> up front. <laughs> like, I've worked too many hours. Um, <laughs> I'm not good like, at negotiating really pay. Like, I always work for less than I'm actually worth. Right. I'm happy to work for free. Right. Um, really looking at what your actual weaknesses are as a marketer, and it's not necessarily. I remember, um, I don't remember who it was. Gosh, now that I think about it, I can't remember exactly who it was, but maybe it was the guy who wrote the four hour work week. I'm pretty sure he was saying that, like, he doesn't spend his time working on his weaknesses. He spends his time making his strength stronger and finding people who can help, like, counterbalance his weaknesses. So he's like, I want to be really awesome at what I'm really awesome at. And then I want to find people to call me out on my, the things that I'm not great at. And they can be like, hey, Maybe you're not good at data analysis, but you're excellent at creating content. So the content you create, I'm going to analyze the data and give you the feedback on it. So that's just one perspective. You don't have to see your weakness as like, you know, oh, I'm, it's the worst thing about me. It can be actually like one of the best things about you is that you are strong in these other areas and you can find people who will call you out or help you with the areas that you're, that you're not as strong in. Right. I mean, I feel like for something like that to happen, you really have to have like solid, um, nuanced and in sensitive initiatives and, and structure in place in your in your company so that that happens in a, in a methodical sort of way. Because I feel like that, I, I agree with you a million percent. I just don't feel like that's going to happen naturally with most people. But if you have a sort of structure there that, that it naturally lends itself towards that, then maybe you could be successful. Yeah. And I, I think you don't necessarily also have to have the structure like I run my own business i have random hours based on when i record podcasts with morty when i take a doctor's visit when i have to take my dog to the vet and so like my schedule varies and it's all over the place i'm doing different projects for different clients but there are generally things that i'm like when i'm trying to do them i'm either struggling they take me longer um i end up having to google a bunch of resources ask friends and i i know that either one this is a, a big weakness for me personally and at, like on a skill level or two, this is a weakness for me personality wise. Like I don't like doing this. Uh, I'd rather spend my time doing things that I know that I'm good at. So I can either outsource it or find a resource to help me get through that online. So I do think like you can figure it out in a non-structured environment too. And even on your own as a human, like this is not working out for me or this is not the best way to spend my time. If I'm, you know, I, I, one of my bosses, a couple of, um, like, I think it was at CallRail, he was like, if it's taking you longer than 10 or 15 minutes to, like, figure something out, then you need to go ask someone else because you're just wasting your time after, like, 30 minutes to an hour of, of trying to figure something out that somebody else could, already knows how to do. So not wasting that sort of time and then having those people who can help you with your weaknesses so that you're, you're more balanced and you're not as likely to fall into sort of like the confirmation bias trap that a lot of marketers probably fall into. And that's why I cheated in 10th grade math because someone else already knew it better than me and I'm not going to waste my time figuring it out. <laughs> now we're talking about the Bernie Madoff thing. <laughs> right, right. Sorry. No, but to back on your, on your point, that, but that's what makes you special that you're able to do that. little plug for, for right. you. Cause I, I, right, and I hope that maybe mo more people can see maybe when they listen to this podcast that like, Oh yeah, if something is taking me a real long time, I'm struggling with this. Maybe I can find other resources or find someone to 
to partner with for XYZ so you can sort of get that balance too. And you should do that. And this leads us to um, a little segment that we have. You, by the way, I forgot to totally mention, you are our first return guest. Did you know that? Oh, yes. Yes. I would love to come on all the time. I love talking about things. So have me on multiple times. I'll be the first like three or four Pete guests. You got it. Okay. How's like next week? We could just, we could just every week, it'll just be the same thing. This is just the Carolyn and Morty podcast. Right, that, that's it. That's, that is what it is. Oh, okay. So you're our first return guest. And so you already know how this goes. It's called Optimize It or Disavow. Yeah. But if you're a first-time listener, which is why would you be a first-time listener? Um, but if you are, hey, welcome. Um, it's where I give you either two really good options. Uh, you have to choose one good option over another good option or two really bad options. And you have to choose one bad option over another bad option. And then, of course, it's uncomfortable. So this is Carolyn Leiden's second take at Optimize It or Disavow It. And since you're a return customer... I'm going to give you two bad choices, which, by the way, okay. it's it's a compliment because I don't do that to everybody because I don't want to you know, make people angry who don't really know. But I know you. And I feel like I think I can trust you with making you have to pick between two really bad options. So it's a compliment. Okay. Okay. So if you had I to do that. any time, that's what I'm here for. Um, if you had to do one over the other, you either had to sell links or purposely confirm people's biases, which one would you do? Uh, this one. Uh, so I don't feel like they're as, maybe as bad as you are making them out to be because I was thinking I have worked with like link building companies before that do it the, the, what I would consider the, the correct and moral way where they're doing link outreach. Oh no, writing, we're talking about uh, like spammy link building, not real solid link building. No, let me justify it how I want to justify Fine. <laughs> And then I was, also thinking, I was also thinking, like, if I'm confirming people's confirmation bias in a positive way and I'm ensuring that I'm not doing it in a negative way, that I would also not not mind that. Oh, that's true. But I have such a negative negative connotation with both for, like, the, both the scammy ways. So I think that um, I'm also so – link building is not my area of expertise, and it feels so slimy to me, the, the nasty link building, that I would say that I would probably – purposely confirm people's existing biases but i would hope that i would be a moral enough person to do it in a positive way right like you are awesome we're going to confirm that thank you my bias has been confirmed i'm amazing (laughs) confirmation bias at its best (laughs) thank you so much for coming on carolyn yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it anytime um again check out search hermit do it go for it and we'll link to the link well, the, the website and the blog post. Yeah, and join us on SEO Chat every oh, Thursday. Oh, that's right. Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Morty's a co-host, too, so who knows? It might be Morty leading. Ooh, it could be me. It could be you. That's – what a mystery. You'll have to come and see. Yeah. Or look at the tweet that comes earlier in the week to see who's hosting. But don't do that. Just be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. As you may have heard, you can find more about confirmation bias from Karen Leiden on your favorite blog, the Rank Ranger blog. So check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On to the news, which will be filled with things on stupid, stupid <laughs> corona. So, Sapir, can you, you please right. take it away with the news as it relates to SEO and the stupid, stupid corona. Corona. 
COVID-19, Google My Business has added the option to indicate that a business is temporarily closed. So be careful here, because I saw a bunch of local SEOs talking about this. Um, and I saw, I think it was Nikki Mosier or somebody else. I'm, I'm forgetting who it was. That if you do this, I don't think Google maybe intends to do this, but it might shut down your whole business listing. So you won't show up at all until your temporary, your temporarily shutdown is over. So think about that. Right. Yes. Because that would just suck. Move anyway. On. There have been a variety of complaints about things in Google My Business not working well. Things from editing your location or Google posts have seen complications. Right. So I would imagine this has to do with just the overwhelming um, volume of updates happening. And I know, I know they're behind on answering um, um, requests or information about Google My Business because they're just overwhelmed. So yeah. check it out. It could be that by the time you're hearing this, all things are back in order. Right. Google has set up a new support doc to help health clinics set up their listing to get to better help patients stay up to date on COVID-19. Yes, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very... That's good. That's good to know. So check that out if you are a medical... Yeah. You're cutting me off. That's okay. I I forgive you. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. (laughs) I really have nothing more to say. (laughs) Nothing of value anyway. Okay. Lastly... (sighs) Google says businesses impacted by COVID-19 should see disabling their site as a last resort. Google did offer some ideas depending on the scenario, such as informing users of your situation with a pop-up. I don't know what it is about this stupid, stupid virus that brings out like the <laughs> stupidity in all of us. Like, why would you think shutting down your whole site's a good idea? By the way, okay. my favorite thing, my favorite thing, over the past, you know, a week, 10 days, whatever it is, has been all these studies going on. Like, okay, study, um, hotels and um, bars and car rentals have all seen a drop in traffic. And Netflix has seen a traffic increase. Here's my study, 400 pages. I spent a week on it. Um, and I knew that too. I didn't use the study. I called it common sense. Like I, 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 I so I, funny. It's I, I, keep I, I don't this know. Too. I don't know. It's so funny. I go to Google Trends, see what's going on. I, I, let me tell you what's going on. Okay, I don't do go to Google Trends. Okay, people searching for medical stuff like um how to be healthy or how to not get sick are going way up. Okay, um why is my Netflix not streaming well? Way up. Okay, things like things like you know um finding places to have a first date. Like those kind of queries, way down, way down. Right. Nothing going on there. I, 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 I didn't look. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Right, right. It's making. It's kind of look. I'm not critiquing. Like the information's good, and it's nice to have numbers and whatever. But like, let's not pretend that you just like found like right. some amazing discovery. I just landed on Mars, and look, there's an alien next to me. An amazing discovery. Also, Zoom's traffic is up. Holy crap! Amazing discovery. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought that? I would never have thought uh, that. Thank you for your study. Oh my god! My, okay, 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 okay. Stupid, okay. stupid virus. I'm telling you, I can't keep a lid on things. I can't keep a lid on things. Um, before I say anything stupider than I already said and piss off more people, let's hit it with our fun SEO send off question. Today's fun SEO send off question is brought to you by the letter S. As in Sapir. <laughs> the latter I Sesame Street, okay. come on. And the number, <laughs> stupid, stupid Corona. 
at the number okay. 19. Any, I can't. Shut up, Morty. Shut thank, up. thank you. Someone had to say it. This week, we're asking. Who, who's we? If Google were to write a haiku about the coronavirus situation, what would it be? Okay. We so this one we this one we had it prepared for. I had to write something down. Um, do you want me to take it, or do you you want to take it? I'll do it first. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Let's ready? go, Blake or Faulkner or whoever uh-huh. you are. Uh-huh. Okay, Faulkner wasn't a poet. Yeah, again, it's again. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did, I, did I did I screw up your train of thought here? Did you forget no, okay, your okay. three lines? Okay. Shh, listen, okay, listen. Not my strong point, but as, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> as some lose traffic. E-commerce is on the rise, rich and unbothered. Did you have to find a study to tell you that? <laughs> it took me like 20 minutes to come up with that. <laughs> 20 minutes. Wow. Uh, listen, writing 575 five kind of structure, syllabus, whatever, it's like... Oh, uh, I totally ignored that. It was harder than I thought. I just did three lines, each line being a different concept, and I said, screw the rest of it. I'm not spending any more time on this. You're a good person. I totally ignore the rules. Here's my sort of haiku because I didn't really follow the rules because who's got time for that? Um, I'm sorry. I'll be honest. I didn't see that you had the question there until like 20 minutes before we we sat down to record this. So it's my my bad. It's my bad. Okay. Okay. A boat of queries about how far spit can travel. Voice searches are not sanitary. That was amazing. Deep, was, deep thoughts wow. by Jack Handy. You don't know what that <laughs> totally is. Deep. I don't know what Saturday it is. Saturday Night Live, deep thoughts by Jack Handy. That's great okay. stuff. Anyway, it is deep though. It is anyway. neat. Thank you. That was a good question. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Yay! All right. Anyway, folks, stay healthy, stay well, stay the bleep indoors. This has been another episode of the Insurge SEO podcast. Tune in again next Tuesday for an all new episode. Until then, it's been Insurge. Because we're all in search of something. something. Toodles.